0: Three pages of the Covenant Killer's journals have been leaked. Ukraine's Zelensky says it's not the right time for elections. Amazon under fire for slurs yelled during a soccer match and a whole lot more. On today's Random Thoughts. And welcome to episode number 252 of the Random Thoughts podcast. Spell that R A N D U M B, thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And Thanksgiving's almost here, the holiday season. Man, another year flying by as we head towards the next presidential election. And oh my goodness, the Republicans seemingly got slaughtered again yesterday in one of these interim elections, which is not a good sign for the country as a whole, because that just means people aren't paying any attention or they do not put two and two together. There was a surefire way for years within the United States when things started getting bad because neither party is perfect, hate to tell you, And if things started going bad, everybody went, you know, maybe we'll try the other guys for a while. And that kind of kept everything somewhat balanced. But here we are in 2023, where the country, by all sorts of different metrics, seems to be about to start circling the drain. And we still have people going, no, no, give us more Democrats. Because they've done such a good job with the control that they've had. The presidential election is going to be interesting. And you can hear people talk about all sorts of crazy political things almost anywhere. So I'm not going to dig too deeply into what happened on election night. I'd rather talk a little more about what's going on, more in your world, in my world, the online world that everybody. Kind of lives in at this point, communicating on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, and other social media sites, getting your news. People are getting their news on TikTok. That is worrisome. Let's not just even think about that too hard. Because people getting their news on TikTok, one, are getting their news from people who have No reason giving them news. And they're also then beholden to the algorithm that's deciding what you're going to see, which is being controlled by a company, controlled by the Chinese government. So no, there's not going to be any propaganda there. They're not going to try pushing you in any direction. I just saw a poll, which was very weird. I didn't even know, can you poll people in China? I guess they can. Do they answer honestly? That I don't know. But there was a poll that showed the average citizen in China back six months ago or so, about 75% thought that the United States was an adversary, was their enemy, was not their friend. And the latest polling that has now swapped down to about 50%, which is a huge move. Why is that the case? No idea. If anybody has a reason why this could seriously be happening, if you're over in China, if you have some boots on the ground information, why the big change in the last six months? It's a little weird. But the information that we get here in the United States, really everywhere, in the world. A lot of it's coming through social media. One of the big stories over the past however many months since the shooting at the Nashville Covenant School was the shooter left behind a plethora of writings, a bunch of different notebooks, manifestos, whatever you want to call them and there's been a call from a certain group that was like we want to see them all doing the information act, you know, request. There's a lot of people who are like no, no, we can't release these, they're too dangerous. I am not opposed to releasing these things. I don't think they should be under lock and key with that said, I don't know what people really hope to glean from the writings of an insane person. I mean, beyond just purely entertainment value or to try to understand exactly how far down the rabbit hole, how insane this person was. I don't think the writings of a lunatic are going to give us many answers on why the shooting was done. And I don't believe even more so that you're going to find answers on how to prevent any such future events. Because, crazy person, this isn't like you got the playbook for a terrorist group. Then you'd be like, hey, well, this is really important. We can find out how they plan things, how they communicate, how all this stuff works. Looking into the mind of a madman, I don't really understand what people think they're going to get from having this information released. But I do think the information should be available. The parents of a bunch of students were like, I cover this at some point here. If the information's released, a bunch of our students will probably kill themselves because they can't handle it. And to me, that's more of a parenting thing, more than a freedom of information thing more than a social media thing. But when it comes to the writings of the Covenant Killer, three pages were leaked to Steven Crowder. I believe he's the one they were leaked to. He is where I saw the information while he was broadcasting and oh my God, does he overdo things? He a little bit overdoing the Hey, if you're, if you're on YouTube, you better move over to Rumble. They're going to, they're going to ban me at any minute. This is so dangerous. And not to say he wasn't going to get banned on YouTube because the social media companies appear to still be full on in on censoring certain topics. That's their right, I suppose, as private companies. But Steven Crowder had these three pages and he went through them. And if you want the, Specifics of all this, you're probably better off going and uh, looking at his video or somebody else that covered that. I can give you the quick breakdown, which was there was a lot of uh, homophobic language, there was a lot of racist language, and basically talked about wanting to kill these kids because, you know, they had their white privilege. Again, I am. boiling this down to the basics here for you, but for me, the more interesting thing isn't what those pages said. It is why those three pages? Why were these the three pages that were leaked? As you should look at with any news story, especially ones that are without a doubt, geared at going after your emotions. Why are we being given these three pages out of hundreds, if not thousands of pages that are available? Why these three? What will this trigger? What else is there to these three pages accurately portray this overall work? I mean, this is like pulling three pages out of War and Peace and going, well, forget the other, forget the other 9,000 pages. We don't want you to see what's in there. But these three pages are what we think are interesting. I don't believe we can learn much from such a small sample. Beyond, again, this person was insane. The pages went through a timeline of... This person planning it like, oh, I could have almost been caught multiple times. Oh, I can't believe I'm ready to do this. It's only seven hours and six minutes away or, again, paraphrasing. So it really didn't give a whole lot of vital information, again, except to show the bias. And I think when somebody goes to shoot up a Christian school filled with a bunch of white kids overall, it's not hard to figure out they're trying to target a certain demographic, but we don't have enough information from these three pages. We have to ask what else is there because the other pages could be exactly the opposite. It could be, I'm going to go do this to a school of a bunch of black kids because I hate black kids. You don't know. You don't know where this person's mind was. You don't know how, much of a one-track mind it was, or if it was all over the place and every day totally schizophrenic and would have different thoughts down in the journal, we don't know. So, without seeing the rest of the journals, it is really hard to understand what we're supposed to take from this. Now, I guess a bunch of the social media sites are still censoring this kind of information. And that is a little worrisome. I'm probably making the case that, well, this was stolen information. You know, this was stolen from the Nashville Police Department. This is whatever excuse they want to give. But getting documents out that were supposed to be under lock and key used to be called journalism. And in today's day, if you're on X, I mean, well, not the drug. If you're on the site X, I guess you're a journalist because there's very few real journalists anymore. And we could probably do hours on how people turning to citizen journalism has changed the way we consume and process news over the past 10 years or so than when we had a straight on newspaper, radio, magazines feeding us the information with people that allegedly had some kind of training who, again, allegedly had an editor of some sort that was looking at this information and saying, yes, we can run with this because we have confirmation. We are 99% sure that what we are about to print is truthful as opposed to now where none of that really matters. Everything just gets posted. And... I think a lot of people even just seeing these three pages of a diary of a journal. You really couldn't be 100% sure that they were even legitimate. Although the Nashville police response to this kind of says, yes, they are. The Nashville police chief, guy named John Drake, very concerned and investigating the leak of this information. Again, why these three pages? Why is social media still censoring these things? Who gets to decide what information is too dangerous, too misleading for you to consume? But I get it. A lot of people are running with this and they're not asking the question that I am, which is why these three pages. What's in the other hundreds of not thousands of pages? What else is there? Everybody wants to make a story out of one little bit of this. And if anybody out there keeps a diary or a journal, I don't. I just do podcasts. But if you have a journal, you probably had a bad day now and then where maybe you put something in that journal that is the only, you could do hundreds, thousands of pages. And only once did you go a little bit crazy and be like, ah, I really want to kill that guy. So taking one little bit, always ask yourself what you're not being shown. Ask yourself why social media is so concerned about a lot of these things. You keep seeing articles, not least I do, the 2020 election, just how hand in hand the government was with social media to streamline the censoring that they want done. And this is the most important thing through all of this, because companies like Twitter, Facebook, even TikTok. They are not government-run, well, TikTok maybe. Again, China, though, different. And they should be able to decide what kind of content that they want on their site. Now, everybody be like, oh, no, no censorship is good. In a certain aspect, sure. But if you're Instagram and you don't want pornography, That's technically censoring people to say, no, you cannot put nude photos on Instagram. They'll be removed. Your account will be deleted. Some people will be like, well, that's censorship. And it is. But Instagram's like, that's not a good business model because parents aren't going to, well, the parents that are paying attention aren't going to want their kids to be on a site that's filled with porn. But the censorship aspect is important. and understanding who is making those decisions is vital. So when you look at a site like X slash Twitter, now you're like, well, it's Elon Musk. Before it was Jack Dorsey and a bunch of lefties, obviously, because a lot of the things that were censored were things about vaccines, things about climate change, all sorts of things. If you agreed With the left narrative, there was a pretty good chance you were going to be censored. And that's because the leadership, the people running the site had a lefty bent. Now, I think that's perfectly fine. I think they should be allowed to do that. But as a consumer, as somebody using these social media platforms, you have to be smart enough to understand who is running the show. Who's deciding what is okay to post and what is not okay to post? And if you feel like they're not doing a job that allows accurate information to flow, then go to a different social media platform. Now that Elon Musk is the guy behind Twitter, it seems there's a lot less censoring. And it seems that you can say a lot more things that disagree with the left's narrative, and you're not going to be booted off the site. It's not to say you can post anything you want, and nor should you be able to. I mean, again, if you want to have a social media where you can post whatever you want, roll your own. It's easy to do right now. Start your own Mastodon instance. Get it into Fediverse, and you can do whatever you want. That's the beauty of what's going on now. But you have to understand who is in control of these sites, who is deciding what is okay for you to say and what's not okay for you to say. And if you don't understand that, you're going to be really far behind and not understand why what you're seeing doesn't match what you believe. And this is on the Internet overall. We all have biases, but we have all, to a certain extent, turned to the Internet at different times trying to get accurate information. You know, you go to a new town, you're like, where should I go eat? You're looking at reviews to decide which restaurant makes good food and which one may I leave with botulism. And if those reviews are not accurate, you may get a bad meal or you may get really sick on food poisoning. And this is where tamping down certain ideas and elevating others makes a big difference because rather than people going and talking to their friends, it seems a lot of people now in person are not going to talk about things like religion and politics and all those sticky subjects that they could just go troll people online with. Now, if you have an opinion that you feel like, well, nobody agrees with me, and you go online to try to be like, well, am I the crazy one to think that maybe the election was stolen or maybe Joe Biden's been replaced by a lizard person? And you go onto the internet and nobody else seems to have the same view. You're going to feel very alone. You're going to feel like I'm the crazy one. Now, you have no idea if there are other people, perhaps millions of them, who have the same exact thoughts, but they have all been censored and removed from the platforms because those ideas are just too scary or against the narrative for the people running the social media. So while in a perfect world it would be great and there would never be censorship of anything, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. The best you can really do is understanding the platforms that you're using, who is ultimately in control of them, and what kind of bias are you, can you expect to see from those platforms? And then you can probably find a platform that will be your mirror, that will be your echo chamber. And that's nice for blowing off steam, but you're probably not going to learn anything new. Then again, it's social media. Are we really expecting to learn anything from social media? Perhaps asking way too much. That was the grand hope when the internet started was, hey, this is a great idea. We can have people from all over the world communicate instantaneously with each other. It's going to be great. In reality, it has just become a troll fest. A lot of memes. Not a lot of deep thinking debates that are going on. I mean, you can find them every now and then, but they don't really exist in social media on a whole. They existed a lot more when the Internet was a bit younger, where people communicated more on bulletin board systems. There were a few of them out there. And the things that you could post were not limited to 140 or 280 characters or 500 characters. You could go on and on and on. Which, I mean, sure, that could lead to more blather. But the reality was, people had much more intricate conversations. Details were able to be hashed out. Rather than I've only got enough time to throw a sniping comment, maybe insult your hair and uh, post a meme and move on. So don't expect a whole lot of good information from social media. Do not get your news from TikTok. Do not get your news from Instagram or Twitter. You've got to go a little bit deeper than that. Now. Speaking of censorship in a country that is uh, circling the drain, it's coming to the end of Vladimir Zelensky's five-year reign as president of Ukraine. And he says, you know, not the right time for elections right now. (laughs) Isn't this exactly what the left thought Donald Trump was going to do? No, he's going to put on martial law and say there shouldn't be any elections so he could rule forever. This coming from an article on The Hill, quote, Zelensky argued in his Monday video address that Ukraine should not have to deal with elections as it continues to attempt to fend off Russia, which invaded Ukraine in February of 2022. He previously had not ruled out Ukraine holding a presidential contest next year, though elections are currently suspended as the country is under martial law. Law. Now, quoting him from Monday Zelensky, that is, quote, and finally, the waves of any politically divisive things must stop. We must realize that now is the time of defense, the time of the battle that determines the fate of the state and the people, not the time of manipulations, which only Russia expects from Ukraine. I believe that now is not the right time for elections, end quote. Mm, Interesting, isn't it? We're in the middle of a war. I guess maybe the people of Ukraine not happy with the war. I don't know. Because if everybody in Ukraine was behind President Zelensky and were like, yeah, we got to beat these Russians out of our country. If all these people were believing that, why wouldn't you have an election? I think he thinks he's going to get booted, lose his power. What is more important, the will of the people, sir, or your power? And when we know politicians in Ukraine, it doesn't matter. Russia, the United States, China, it's all about the same thing, keeping their power. He went on to, it went on to say, quote, and if we need to put an end to a political dispute and continue to work in unity. There are structures in the state that are capable of putting an end to it and giving society all the necessary answers so that there is no room left for conflicts and someone else's game against Ukraine, end quote. Now, that sounds like the kind of gobbledygook you could get from Kamala Harris. But it's, it'll be an interesting thing to watch here. As we continue, as the United States, that is, to send billions of dollars to Ukraine. Don't look at the Hunter Biden business dealings. Don't look at the checks going into Joe Biden's account from his vice president time. Don't look at any of this and how it relates to Ukraine and why maybe all this money is going over there. But it really, to me, I don't know how the left likes. Vladimir Zelensky. No, no, martial law. No presidential election. We must continue to fight. It's exactly what they said Donald Trump was going to do, and it would ruin the United States. But no, it's okay, I guess, if it's in Ukraine. Moving on to another story that caught my eye, this one from Barons.com. Amazon under fire over homophobic slurs in broadcast of PSG game. Now, this is soccer, so I know a lot of people are like, ah, boring. and probably is. But this isn't the first time that there's been a soccer match where the fans in the stands began chanting things that people found homophobic or whatever it may be, unacceptable behavior, right? In the stadiums, during the games, and because Amazon is the one broadcasting this, which this group that's going after them, a French gay rights group, who is launching this legal action, said, well, we understand. When they're live, there's only so much you can do. We're not going to hold you responsible for this, but you have the game up. As all of these streaming services do, they carry live events. Once it's over, you could go back and watch it again. Well, the chants are still in there. I mean, there's really not a good way to remove them, I'm sure, from the broadcast. Although I would guess it would depend on what microphones are picking this up. I don't know if the soccer announcers are in the stands, very close to the stands. All I know about soccer is what I learned from watching Ted Lasso. And those announcers seem to be right in the stands. So if the microphones that the people that are calling the game are using are picking up the chance, there's really nothing you can do. Now, if there are microphones that are just around to pick up the sounds of the game, although how many sounds of the game are there in soccer, then maybe that's a little bit different. But I know baseball, hockey, there are microphones that are specifically out there in the stadiums to pick up the bat hitting the ball, somebody hitting the boards in hockey, all those things that they want to bring to the television audience to have a realistic view of the game. Now, if those are the microphones, then maybe you can cut them out, but then you're also losing them I mean, out. Again, I don't know what you're losing in soccer. There's not a lot of sounds, I wouldn't think. But it depends on what microphones are picking those up. But it brings to a larger question on what really can and should be done about this. Because Amazon, I'm guessing, pays a lot of money to broadcast these games. And if the way to totally screw Amazon out of being able to replay these games would be just to have a bunch of people show up and chant things, then you're going to have people doing that. Because activists, that's exactly the kind of thing activists will do. I guess the answer would be to have people calling the game from a soundproof booth or from a third location where they're just watching monitors. And then just have people faking the noises. If you do have soccer noises, back in the day when they used to do baseball games, they would just recreate the sounds. The people that were calling the games weren't even at the stadium. They were reading what happened and they would just like slam the wood thing down into another thing to make it sound like a bat. So maybe we have to go back to that, recreating the sounds of the game as you watch or listen to it. But I thought it was very interesting that how easy it would be to just be like, well, have somebody go out there and yell something. Just have them keep chanting that. It happens all the time. And I would say that there should be some kind of blanket dispensation where, like, if it happens in the crowd, there's really not much we can do. Yeah, I don't think there's anything in play for Most sports for replays to take these things out, if they make it into the initial broadcast, they're going to make their way into the replay version. Unless it's egregious, I would think there's not a problem because otherwise people are just going to post the original anyway. And it's not like it's not going to be available. But you hear it all the time watching baseball or hockey. There's an F-bomb that gets thrown every now and then. And the chance will start to try to get in any players' heads. And it's all depending then on what people find so offensive. I love going to the Blackhawk games at the Madhouse on Madison. The real one. The stadium before the United Center was built. Especially when they would play the North Stars from uh, Minnesota. The Minnesota North Stars and Dino Cicerelli. The uh, Blackhawk faithful did not like Dino Cicerelli. I'm sure there are YouTube videos out there, but he didn't even have to do anything but hit the ice. When Dino would hit the ice, he would come out to warm up. The chants would already begin, Dino sucks. Dino sucks. It was beautiful in the stadium. I mean, now they still get pretty loud at the United Center, but the stadium, the original building, there was some magic when the crowd got into it. The place vibrated. I mean, sure, you were afraid it might fall down at any given time, but it added to the electricity of the event. And it's interesting when you have to then look at what's going on in the crowd. So if you want to screw up a broadcast, just go and start chanting. I'd say people are getting a little too sensitive, but I think that's long past where we've been. I think now we are just into complete insanity. And I don't think there's going to be. Anything we can do on that. I mean, speaking of insanity, has anybody been watching Frasier, the new version? The original one, I thought, was a very well-written show. Great ensemble cast, great performances, and it was very, even across all of the actors and actresses, even Eddie the dog. Man, that dog was great. The new Frasier, not so much. Frasier, Kelsey Grammer, exactly the same. His character, no different. He knows how to deliver a line with his understated sense of humor. But it's like somebody dropped Frasier into a bad sitcom from the 90s where everybody else isn't really acting up to the same level. It's all schmaltzy. It's all just going for the one-timer joke where the original Frasier was never about that. It was always a little bit more of a thinking comedy, which is maybe they don't have the same quality writers that they used to. And it's only been four or five episodes in, and it's getting a little bit better, but there's still a long, long way to go. But I'm just curious. If you've been watching that, let me know what you think. Reach out. Email Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. Or you can hit me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. Same thing at No Agenda Social if you are in the Fediverse. Have you been watching Frasier? What do we we call it? Frasier 2023. If you like it, let me know. If you hate it, let me know. I hope you like this program especially since it is a value-for-value show. If you don't like it, I get no value back. It's a very simple system, but it is effective. It works, which means uh, I put the shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. If you get any value out of them whatsoever, you can decide how much. Is it a latte's worth of value? Is it a pizza's worth of value? Is it an electric vehicle worth of value? You can go to our website, randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com slash donate. Click that donate button for a one-time or monthly donation. Use the QR codes or wallet addresses. If you want to do the crypto thing, you can use the PO box if you want to go the snail mail route. And if you are on the podcasting 2.0 thing, or if you're not, go to newpodcastapps.com and learn more. You can boost us, send us a boostigram. And if you're over on Patreon, as two people still are, and if you're in that ecosystem, it's another easy place for you to help support the show. It is all very much appreciated. And I have a few people to thank for today's show, including Redbeard Jake W. Who came in with a check. Yeah, right through the mail. Uncle Sam didn't lose this one. Came in with $25. Thank you, Jake. It is very much appreciated. He also sent in a note of support for the other show that I do with Larry Blyner, a show that has been so much fun. Planet Rage. If you need a little rage therapy on Mondays or anytime, really check out that show over at planetrage.show. So, thank you, Jake, for the support for both shows. Now, over on the Patreonies, we have our buddy Brian Janak coming in with $5 and Tim Heasel coming in with $5. Both of them have been doing that for a long time. And all of these monthly donations, no matter whether it's Patreon, whether it's via check, whether it is through PayPal, whatever. It is all very much appreciated. It helps everything keep on running. The microphone sounding good. The web hosting bills paid. All of those are vitally important. And yes, I saw Dale Jr. He was streaming some Satoshis while listening to the show. And if you're curious, it's not that Dale Jr. I asked if it was that Dale Jr. I'd be like, hey, let me do a ride along. That'd be cool. Thanks to everybody who has supported the show over these 252 episodes. Wow. And for everybody that listens to the show, I know you could be listening to a lot of different podcasts. It is an honor that you're spending some time here with me on the Random Thoughts Podcast. Tell a friend, leave a review where you get your podcasts or wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Anything to help support the show moving along, moving forward, gaining a few more listeners here and there. Although, I mean, we have a pretty good group right now. And sometimes you, you put too much riffraff in and the balance can be lost. But it's always fun to hang out for a while with you. And I thank you for letting me bloviate into the microphone, something I seem to enjoy doing way too much. With that said, I will be back again next week to bloviate some more. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.